0: is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen
1: and Dr. Harry Quigley.
0: Welcome to another episode of Diagnosis Glaucoma. Today, we're going to discuss the basics of what glaucoma is. So glaucoma is an eye disease. It's caused by damaging the optic nerve and that can lead to peripheral vision loss. It's not just that the pressure is high. Sometimes it's just due to the fact that the pressure is too high for you. So there are some individuals who get glaucoma even though they have pressure in the normal range. The reason they're getting the condition is because the pressure is just too high for their eyes in particular. We still treat them with medications, lasers, and surgery though, to bring the eye pressure down.
1: I think it's interesting, Mona, that that patients will say to me, well, doctor, do I really have glaucoma? And there are lots of people who are at risk for glaucoma. We're gonna talk about risk factors today but they don't actually have damage to the eye. So strictly when ophthalmologists talk about glaucoma and they're talking to each other, they mean people who have damage to the eye that we can measure either that the structure of their eye, the number of nerve fibers they have is damaged. And usually that goes along with their inability to have normal sensitivity in their mid peripheral visual field in the visual field test. So for the ophthalmologist to say glaucoma is present, means that two things are true. The eye is structurally abnormal by losing some nerve fibers and the ability to see dim lights has been diminished in that person's eye. Otherwise, you could be a suspect for glaucoma, somebody who might develop it in the future, but you haven't yet.
0: There's also a condition called ocular hypertension, and that's when a person has a high eye pressure, but they don't actually have damage to their nerve or any peripheral vision loss. So what do you recommend for those patients?
1: Oh, that's a whole podcast, but they certainly need annual examinations. And we did a randomized clinical trial. That's the definitive way that you answer questions in medicine. Half of the people who had this ocular hypertension in that study were given eye drops every day, both eyes. And the other half were not treated. And 10 years later... 80% of the people were doing beautifully, whether they were treated or not. But if you look to see what was the rate of getting the earliest step of glaucoma, pretty subtle, but it was there. Those who had the treatment, in this case with eye drops, did twice as good. So what the study showed was that ocular hypertensive persons have a low risk for developing glaucoma, but that if you wish to take therapy for it, you can lower that risk by a factor of two.
0: I do want to point out that the American Academy of Ophthalmology and the American Glaucoma Society recommend that individuals who have ocular hypertension but have not actually developed glaucoma still do come in for an eye exam twice a year and continue to get monitored, just like a glaucoma patient would be monitored.
1: So there are official definitions of glaucoma, but then there's how are you doing with it? And one of the things that we talked about was the optic nerve is this connector between the eye and the brain there's three layers of cells in the eye the retina of the eye that does your seeing that's the nerve tissue and the last of those the ganglion cell has a fiber that runs from the eye to the brain almost two inches long so this little teeny nerve fiber is a great big long thing and what happens is it goes out the back of the eye from within the eye where the pressure is a little higher to the brain tissue where the pressure is a little lower And that transition between higher pressure in the eye and lower pressure in the brain is a weak spot. It's kind of the Achilles heel of the eye. That's where glaucoma goes after the ganglion cells and that's why they die because they're going through a weak spot. And your weak spot might be stronger than mine, in which case I'm more likely to get glaucoma than you are.
0: Those are all really great points. And I wanna mention that all of that is actually discussed in our book. You can find it on our website www.diagnosisglaucoma.com. Can you remind us the title of the book again?
1: Well, it has the unusual title of Glaucoma, What Every Patient Should Know. And it's available. You can order it on Amazon. It has a Kindle version for those who like to do that. And it is, as far as we can tell now, the number one glaucoma book online for people because it has a lot of what we're talking about here, but broken down into individual chapters, uh, starting from the basics and going through to lots of important stuff about surgery and treatment and medicines and the later stages of disease even.
0: next, we can start talking about symptoms. So, you know, Harry, something I find really scary is that often there are no symptoms of glaucoma, which is really why it's so important to get checked. There are two major kinds of glaucoma, and they can be a little bit different in terms of the symptomology. There's something called open angle glaucoma and something called closed angle glaucoma. People with open angle glaucoma, which is the majority of cases, usually only feel eye pain when the pressure is really high. On the other hand, people with the closed angle type are more likely to get things like headaches and have visual disturbances like like halo vision. And the management of these two types of glaucoma are very different. We're gonna have episodes dedicated discussing each one in greater detail.
1: I think if you said to me how many patients who I've seen over these many years had symptoms that were caused by their glaucoma and that symptom brought them in, the one symptom that they usually have is that unfortunately they've noticed that they've lost their vision in one eye. They woke up one morning with their face in the pillow and the eye that was looking out at the room couldn't see anything. And it wasn't until they lifted their head that they realized that that eye was gone. You say, well, how could it go So fast, and the answer is it isn't fast. That's why it isn't noticed. It's long, slow, gradual. I've had medical school professors who use microscopes every day come in and tell me they just need new glasses, but they don't have any real eye disease, and they have already got advanced glaucoma. We wish there were symptoms from open angle glaucoma because it would bring people in sooner. So as Dr. Kaleem said, without getting regular exams for those of you who are at greater risk, you won't know. And we're about to tell you, are you at greater risk?
0: I do want to also mention that in case you don't have access to going to see an eye doctor, there are usually health fairs and screening exams for glaucoma and other eye conditions that you can find in your community.
1: It's interesting. I ran um, health fairs and screenings in the community for some years. And while we do find patients with glaucoma, the most common things we find actually aren't glaucoma. So while you could go to a health fair, I think you'll get good information but the best thing the healthcare can do for you is to get you to go to get a full eye exam if you're at risk.
0: Oh and I do also want to mention that people who are found to have glaucoma at one of those screenings can actually register for the AGS CARES program. So AGS is the American Glaucoma Society and we do have a program for individuals who are uninsured or don't have enough money to pay for the evaluation and, and care. So again you can go to our website and find a link for the AGS website. Our website, again, is www.diagnosisglaucoma.com.
1: And CARES is C-A-R-E-S.
0: Carrie, I don't know if you hear this comment all the time, but I definitely do. I've had so many patients say to me, Hey, doc, I've been getting my eyes checked for years, and they always tell me that my vision is 20-20. But then the doctor tells me I have glaucoma. How is that possible? I haven't even noticed anything. I have perfect vision.
1: Yeah, you think your vision is perfect, but it isn't perfect out to the side, and one eye can be injured before the other one. So when one of your two eyes sees the world beautifully, your brain doesn't know that the left eye already has blind spots in it caused by glaucoma. The second is that the doctor may be only measuring your visual acuity or only measuring your eye pressure. But if there isn't a detailed exam of the inside of the eye, and if you're at risk, a visual field test, glaucoma is going to be missed seven times out of 10.
0: They call glaucoma the silent blinder because so many people just don't notice it since we're not really used to getting our peripheral vision checked.
1: So how do we measure this thing we're calling vision loss, Dr. Kaleem? Uh, Somebody just said they had 20-20 vision in your office. Where is that being measured?
0: Well, if you're talking about the vision we measure on the chart, that's the central vision. And how we measure patients with glasses also is using that chart against the wall. But we have other kinds of vision. There's our peripheral vision, also our visual fields, and our ability to see contrast. And those are all defined as part of our vision, although maybe we don't really think about it that way. We always think about vision as uh, that number uh, or that equation 20-20. So
1: how come this guy had 20-20 vision and had glaucoma? Well, the reason is that the very last part of your vision that glaucoma attacks is the dead center where you read the twenty twenty letters.
0: I have tons of patients who have twenty twenty central vision, but they have advanced glaucoma. And unfortunately, they can't do things like drive or really walk comfortably because they're missing things like steps.
1: If you want to know what that's like, roll up a magazine. There are still magazines, aren't there?
0: There are. Roll up
1: a magazine and look through it like binoculars and try to walk through the room and see the things that you bump into. But when it happens gradually, you don't know it's happening. Or you assume, oh, well, you know, older people like Dr. Quigley are losing vision just because of age. And the answer is that's just plain not true. People who don't get an eye disease reach age 90 with pretty good vision. So if your vision's getting worse, it is probably a disease. It may not be glaucoma, but it might be.
0: All of this really underscores the importance of getting a yearly eye exam. Even if you don't feel that you have a problem, you should still go in and get a basic eye exam, either with an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. Now you might be thinking to yourself, where is this pressure in my eye? Like where is it building up? Where is it coming from, et cetera? There's a structure in the eye called the angle. So earlier we mentioned the two major kinds of glaucoma, open angle and closed angle. Inside the eye, there is a little structure that produces something called the aqueous humor, and that's the fluid of the eye. It bathes the inner structures. Glaucoma can happen when that little gland maybe is producing more fluid than the drainage system of the eye can handle. And there's many different reasons why the gland is overproducing or why the drain gets stuck, but the drain is basically the angle. I do want to point something out, which I get asked about all the time. Patients say to me, "Well, I have a lot of tears. Tears are always building up. Is that the pressure?" So that's not the pressure. the The, the, the pressure is inside the eye, and it's related to the fluid inside the eye. Two
1: different waterworks.
0: Yeah. And two different specialists to treat that. So
1: yeah, when you have a tearing problem, we get you to our specialists who and usually the tearing problem is not so much lots of tears. It's dry eyes, which is even more common than glaucoma, by the way. So there are a lot of people with glaucoma in the world. I I assume that we're talking about this because this is a pretty common problem.
0: Absolutely. Now, I know that you've actually written papers on this <laughs> and one of the leading authorities on some of the epidemiologic statistics for glaucoma. Do you mind sharing them? Well,
1: of course, The the around the world, the most common thing that affects people is cataract. Now, in the United States, that's not a problem that we fail to deal with because we have a wonderful high technology operation for cataract surgery. But around the world, where cataract surgery is not available, that makes it the number one cause of vision loss. In the United States, the number one cause of vision loss is actually age-related macular degeneration. But guess who's number two, both in the world and in the United States? And unfortunately, it's glaucoma, both the main kind of glaucoma, open angle glaucoma and the somewhat less common one called closed angle, or also known as angle closure glaucoma. Those two make up about 3 million people in the United States, adults, and there are a few children. We'll get to them on another podcast. But there are things that make it more likely that you might be someone with glaucoma, that you need more examinations on a more regular basis, and we call them risk factors. Dr. Kaleem, what is a major risk factor or two?
0: Well, the number one risk factor for getting glaucoma is an elevated eye pressure. Other risk factors include things like race, individuals of African descent, those who are Hispanic, or of Asian background are also at a greater risk of getting glaucoma. Age is a risk factor as well. So the older that we get, the greater our risk because over time the drainage system may not work as well. And also we mentioned earlier about formation of cataracts in the eyes. And they can actually take up space in the eye and decrease the amount of fluid that's able to go out of the drain.
1: And for those with open angle glaucoma who get the disease at normal eye pressure, age also makes it more likely that the nerve cells that make up the optic nerve will die with the least little bit of injury. So many factors lead to aging in the eye, making the forms of glaucoma more common.
0: I definitely want to put out there that diabetes is not a risk factor for
1: glaucoma. Diabetes is super common, and it's a major cause of vision loss. And an article in the New England Journal of Medicine by our colleague David Friedman said that diabetes vision loss is going to rapidly become one of the most important, maybe even surpassing glaucoma. And that's because we're not taking care of ourselves.
0: What are your thoughts on high blood pressure? I get asked that all the time as well.
1: I'm against high blood pressure. I think we shouldn't have it. Uh, It needs to be treated. It shouldn't be over-treated, though, because one of the major risk factors for open-angle glaucoma is having a low blood pressure combined with a higher-than-normal eye pressure. Those two are a bad combination, and so we don't see it. But if you look at strictly scientific data, hypertension, high blood pressure does not make it more likely that you'll have open-angle glaucoma.
0: There's also a condition where our blood pressure drops too much at night. It's called nocturnal hypotension, so that's a risk factor. And also, I I do want to mention obstructive sleep apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea, well, those are people who snore at night. That would be a a sign of that.
1: And like diabetes, if you have that, whether it's related to your glaucoma or not, and by the way, as Dr. Kaleem mentioned, we do have pretty good evidence that sleep apnea is something that makes glaucoma, open-angle glaucoma, more likely. But if you have that, it's starving your brain for oxygen during the night, and you won't live as long. So as painful as it is to wear the CPAP machine, we really want you to do that. And your spouse will love you more because they'll get better night's sleep.
0: You know, another question I hear all the time is, hey, doc, everyone in my family wears glasses. Does that mean I'm going to get glaucoma? So the answer to that is actually no. Just by wearing glasses or someone in your family wearing glasses, that's not going to give you a risk for getting glaucoma. In angle closure glaucoma hyperopia, which is related to wearing uh, glasses that are needed to see more up near, that's a condition that does put you at risk for angle closure glaucoma because those individuals tend to have a smaller eye. So it isn't
1: the wearing of the eyeglasses. It's actually the physical size of the eye and how the wall of the eye is put together that makes it somewhat more likely that people get the two main kinds of glaucoma. For example, people with severe myopia, severe nearsightedness, the more severe the myopia is, the more likely they are to get open-angle glaucoma.
0: Now, another important factor I wanna mention is family history, and I know all of you out there have heard me talk about my family history. We actually know that childhood forms of glaucoma are almost always hereditary, but it can happen in adults too. We've uncovered at least 10 genes that are linked to glaucoma, and we're learning more each day. What we know is that having a family history increases a person's risk for getting glaucoma by threefold, especially among siblings. People with a family history tend to get glaucoma earlier in life than those who don't have a family history. I do want to say that just because you don't have a family history, it doesn't mean that you can't get glaucoma. Remember that a lot of people don't talk about their medical conditions. It is good to talk to your family members, especially the elders, about things that could run in the family or things that they've experienced in terms of their health care over their lives.
1: We did a fun study in which we asked 100 glaucoma patients to give us the phone number of all their living first-degree relatives. So this was their mom and dad, their brothers and sisters, or their adult children. And we, we said to them, do you think your family member knows that you have glaucoma, and have you guys ever talked about it? Now, some of them said, I don't talk to my sister. I I haven't talked to her in 20 years. But for those who would give us the phone numbers, we called 300 family members. An astonishing number of those people told us that they had no idea either that their family member had glaucoma or if they knew the family member had glaucoma, they said, I didn't know that ran in families. And when we said if they had eye exams, they all said, oh, yeah, I get glasses every year. But when we said to them, there's this test called a visual field test. It's a bowl with some lights in it. And you press a button when the lights appear to the side. Most of those family members wouldn't know a visual field test if it bit them in the nose. So there's not a lot of good information getting out there. And we need you, if you have glaucoma, to get your families, especially your children, if they'll listen to you, to go get a full exam.
0: The bottom line is, if there's anyone in your family who has glaucoma, especially if they've lost vision or needed an eye surgery for glaucoma, you should definitely just come in and get an evaluation.
1: Well, Mona, in our episode number two, we talked about the full eye exam that's done in an ophthalmologist's office for glaucoma. And if you have risk factors, family member, you're an elderly person who's nearsighted, you should really go through the full exam. But are there ways of doing stuff at home?
0: Mary, can you actually define "elderly" for us? Because that's kind of a fluctuating definition these days.
1: Elderly is older than me.
0: Okay. So anybody,
1: anybody that's over 74. Um, you're, you're all, no, I, I unfortunately the, the risk of glaucoma goes up in what's called an exponential curve. It means it doesn't just linear, it, it gets worse and worse and worse the older you are. So at age 60, the chance of open angle glaucoma is around one or two percent of the adults in the United States. By age 85, it's up in the 10 percent range. And for African Americans, it's up in the 25 to 30 percent range for those in that 85 to 90 year old age group. It, it's not just a single age.
0: I also do want to point out that individuals who are from high-risk groups, like we just mentioned, family history, or if you're of African descent, Hispanic or Asian, you should get checked earlier, probably around the age of 50 or 60, you may want to consider going in for an eye exam.
1: There are some things that people can do at home, though. And while they're somewhat expensive and a little tricky to learn, do you want to talk about the uh, home tonometer?
0: Sure. The home tonometers have been really revolutionary. The types that we have are the tono pen and the eye care home tonometer. The tono pen is a machine that we walk around with in the hospitals. It's not connected to any slit lamp, so it's not connected to the microscope. It's a handheld machine again. That's one way to check the eye pressure in clinic. We don't prescribe that to individuals to take home, but people can actually rent or purchase something called an eye care home tonometer. Uh, We have them in clinic. The nice thing about that tonometer is that you actually don't have to put any drops in the eyes.
1: This particular one, it records what the pressure is each time you do it at home, but you can't see what the pressure is. You have to bring the tonometer into the doctor's office, and it gets downloaded there. And I think the company that got this approved by the FDA didn't want people sitting at home obsessing at 3 in the morning about, oh, I think I just measured an eye pressure that went up one point. I'm going to call my doctor. We do have people who purchase the actual tonometer that we use handheld in the office, and they can't actually look at it and see what their pressure is. And we have some very active research going on with this home tonometer to see how different is the pressure when someone's in their real home environment compared to that one or two times a year when they come into the doctor's office and get their pressure measured there. I think we're going to know an awful lot more about glaucoma through research with these home tonometers, and they may have somewhat less usefulness for the actual daily care of all glaucoma patients.
0: If you don't want to purchase a tonometer, there are actually many practices that will rent them out. I know that we do that here at Wilmer. There is information on our website where you can learn how to enroll in a program to rent these uh, tonometers.
1: There also have been attempts to do the visual field test, to test your mid-peripheral vision on a TV screen, or now that everybody's got a laptop at home, to do it on a laptop. It's actually trickier than you might imagine. I tried doing this first in a big study in Africa in the 1990s, and the problem is the ambient light in the room, how bright it is, how dim it is, varies dramatically. How bright your screen is varies dramatically. So it's a lot harder to do a test that's meaningful and really high sensitivity on a computer-based program at home, you can do some screening things, and there may well be some ways in which this is done in the future that are a head-mounted, like a helmet, that tests your visual field. Two of those are in the process of being worked on right now. But in general, you really have to do, if you want to know someone's doing well with their glaucoma, they have to do it on the standardized visual field machine in the office.
0: The good news is that there's a lot of interest in being able to monitor glaucoma at home especially like the visual fields and the contrast sensitivity. And we're working on this so that one day in between your appointments, which you should definitely still keep your appointments for all of the required testing and things like the dilated eye exam, that maybe you can monitor your field and contrast sensitivity vision.
1: Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops.